Why this fool got more comics than a motherfucker? MCMF, the comic book podcast where I try to get you, dear listener, to the wonderful world of comic books by making my friends read those comic books. My name is Marcus, Mr. Summers, if you're nasty. Joining me on this episode, episode 28, is Will, back again, this time to talk about X-Men in the vault. Yes, yes, y'all, how y'all doing this evening? Full transparency, this episode probably should have been episode 29. <laughs> Instead, it will be episode 28, because uh, my computer went into business for itself, and the three-hour episode <laughs> that was 28 uh, got chewed up, and so the, the recording was just gone completely, um, which stinks. Uh, you know, we would love to come back and talk about, talk shit about Tommy Oliver for another three hours, but one... Manny is in uh, is in health and safety protocols. Uh, DNP COVID. Uh, and also, we had so many good conversations on there that it would be impossible to recreate them. So I'm sure we'll find an excuse to talk shit about Power Rangers uh, another time. There's a lot of comics there. Uh, but we're going to cover on this episode three issues from the Jonathan Hickman run of uh, X-Men. Uh, issues 5, 18, and 19. Uh, this was our backup plan if Manny couldn't make it for the uh, for the, for the other one. And so... Uh, we had a plan in place because we were able to just kind of bounce back right into it. Right, yeah. I was just like, hey, you want to just do that here? Um... And so this run takes place very, this is very early in the Krakoa era, these, uh, these stories, um, or story whole. The, what happened was that issue five started this, and then a whole bunch of other stuff happened. Um, so Ten of Swords happened, and other things happened, and they never got to pick this story back up. Uh, so this is the story about the time that uh, Sink, Darwin, and Wolverine, uh, Laura, I should say, go into the vault uh, to deal with the children of the vault. Um, you just started reading the Krakoa era a few months ago uh, and just yeah. getting caught up. How are you feeling about it? How are you feeling about this stuff in particular, this early stuff? So, full disclosure, I am a complete stand for the Krakoa era. Um, I am nearing barb levels. Um, we don't have a name for our fandom yet. I was going to say Hicks, but that kind of has a different, you know, connotation there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, I really dig it. Um, it's one of those things where, as a on again, off again, lifelong comic fan, I know not to get too attached because nothing. There is no status quo that lasts forever. Right. But I'm really. This is probably the most I've enjoyed X Men comics in a really long time. Yeah. Um, I am a few months behind because I exclusively read through like the Marvel Unlimited app. So I think um I think where I am now maybe a couple of months before the current hell the most recent Hellfire Gallery. 
Okay, so you're not too far back. Cause that right, was but I'm also not like current, current yet. You yeah. know what I mean? But um, yeah, this is uh, this is one of my favorite stories of the Krakoa era. And frankly, some of my favorite collection of issues ever. Yeah. Like one of them, I, I, I feel like Especially nineteen. I was gonna say issue nineteen is one of my favorite run favorite issues of the last few years, flat out. Oh, it, it, it's up there in top five of me. Like it's up there with Daredevil. Two. Like it's 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 amazing. I really love it. Um, but yeah, it's good. And I think what shows how good it was is um, when I was originally reading this, I'd give updates in the Discord chat or whatever. And you told me when I got there, you were like, "Listen, the bulk stuff gets good." Yeah, and, you know you can hype something up, and it just this part will be fine. And you underplayed it; it's it's so good. Because <laughs> you asked, you were like, "When does that vault thing come back around?" Because it's it's again, this starts in issue five, and then does not get picked back up until issue eighteen. Um, and you were like, "When does that vault thing come back?" And I was like, "Oh, it will. Just just wait for it." And like, and frankly, I was I was getting kind of annoyed with the book because um, as we talked about in discourse or excuse me, the Discord, that um, this early, this book was very kind of serialized. And right. I, I see the appeal of that if you're reading it as it's published, because it's like each week or each, well... I think it's every two week. weeks or something like that. Okay, yeah, so every two weeks you get a different peak of something else that's happening in Krakoa. But when you're reading it back to back to back, it's like, oh, that seems interesting. They're fighting these old ladies... With like plant science, and then you just don't see it again. Yeah. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, you know, like, oh, there's a whole island of monsters that's there all of a sudden that Cable's killing, it, and then it just doesn't come back. Doesn't come up for a while. Like, really, Tennisaurus, like, really, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it was a little frustrating, but once the stuff gets paid off, it definitely, it definitely is. I was a fool to Del Hinkle. Yeah, uh, and you know, he's since left the X office to do other things, but he sets everything up. Uh, he does a great job at setting up what becomes the new status quo, um, and I think that that's, it's a really good sandbox for uh, for the rest of the office to play around in. Yeah, and I think it's one thing I think that's really underrated is that, like, I, I don't know, y'all may have had to censor it on the episode you brought up, but um, I know that y'all have mentioned before how, like, He's so tight on continuity. Like, yes. He makes very few mistakes. And that's that's the perfect person you want to have set in stage. He he makes exactly one continuity error this whole time. Which is crazy. And they, they, they figured out how to resolve it. Like his yeah. one error is that he has somebody else mention Petra and Sway. Or he has somebody yeah, like that's talk. Right. Yep. That's it. That's great. And then they've come up with a solution for that since. So it's fine. And, like, it, frankly, like, and X-Men are messy. Like, that's a messy continuity to play with. Yes. Like, even something as simple as, like, Nightcrawler's parentage. Because I just saw a TikTok somebody mentioning it. Nightcrawler is, like, one of the more popular X-Men, but he's never been that, like, Wolverine, Xavier, Cyclops, Jr. Just his parentage is messy as hell. Yes. And it's able to have multiple records. You know yeah, what I mean? because like, there was what the original idea was. Claremont wanted him to be um, Mystique's son, but Mystique would have had shifted into a male form to conceive him. Like, he's supposed to be, I think, Mystique and Destiny's kid. And then they told him no. 
So then he decides to take it a step further, and he wanted to do it with, he wanted Miss, uh, Rogue to be, the same idea for Rogue, no go. Um, so then it's just kind of left open as to who his father is for years. And then, then the Draco happens, and yeah. we get left with a very stupid resolution to it. Yeah. Which I, I don't know, I kind of, I kind of like, I like it now they've cleaned it up. I hated it at the time because mm-hmm. it seemed very ham-fisted. Yeah. But now that they've, they've had years to kind of have their people have their take on it and kind of clean it up, I like it a lot more right. than I ever did. Um, but then with that being said, I just read Amazing Activity, like what, last week? Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago or something like that? That's the run where he comes back? Yeah. Which is crazy because I started just because I wanted to see and then I just stopped it. You just wanted to what? <laughs> I wanted to see how he came back to life, and I just stopped it. Oh, he just, they just go to heaven and get him. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just like, hey, we miss Kurt. Let's go get Kurt. Well, no, it isn't even that. It's that he, he pulls them to heaven. Yes. And then. Because uh, his, 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 old, his dear old dad is uh, causing a, a heaven mutiny. Yeah. And then to save them, he gives up his spot in heaven. Yeah, which I don't know if his. I don't think that's ever come back up. But Nightcrawler, the most religious man uh, on Krakoa, simply cannot get into heaven. Yep. Or back into heaven. Him and uh, him and uh, Johnny Blaze. Yeah. I just kind of. Yeah, he does some good deeds, but sorry, bro. <laughs> Doesn't work for me, brother. House is light. Uh, which that that Johnny Blaze thing is a resolution. Of- that I do want to cover on here, so I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> but I remember I I was so mad I threw the book I was reading when I saw that. Like I got so mad for him. Yeah, we but, should cover some Ghostwriter stuff. We haven't. We haven't, I don't think Ghostwriter has made an appearance on the podcast yet. So, which is crazy because like me and Gary fucking love Ghostwriter. Yeah, but we live in also three vastly different <laughs> coordinating. <laughs> Coordinating that episode would be hilarious. That's yeah. that's one we either have to do in like like nine a.m. for me, or yeah. <laughs> or four a.m. for Gary. Yeah, that's got to be one of those. Either he's got to go to sleep and wake up crazy early with a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. or like you have to do it like on a day off before work or something. Right. Like. Uh, so yeah. let's get into this. This story, like we said, starts in X Men issue number five. Uh, I would like to note. Armor and Storm are in the co- are on the cover. They, they are hardly in this issue. It's a good cover, though. It's a bang. Great cover. If you want two characters to put book. on the cover, that's these are the two. Like you want two visually striking characters, these two. What? Speaking of, maybe I'm just misremembering, but have they tried to like? Well, I mean, I guess it's not aging up because she's probably aged since then. But it feels like they've aged up armor a bit, bit since she first showed up in like Astonishing, right? Yeah, I mean she's armor would probably be like if we're going by like the sliding time scale, she'd probably be like twenty one now. Like really? she's in the same she's in the same class as like Surge and Prodigy and Okay, see, but then at the same time, I feel like they still seem a good bit younger than she is. Uh, Prodigy, I know at the very least is old enough to go into a bar, like it's a plot point. True. So yeah, that's right. And uh, X Factor. 
Mm-hmm. So I would say that the like the Academy X kids are all probably in their early twenties. But then you know what also messes that up is that I think I think in Academy X they're not clear enough about how old everyone is mm-hmm. because like a Noel still hangs out with like the kids' kids. But yeah, I think he may have been the youngest of that. Of right, the and like David is getting ready to go to college. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're that's talking right. about him going to like Harvard or something. So he's. He's probably Armor, Surge, uh, Prodigy, Hellion, uh, Wind Dancer, all probably around 17, 18 in. No, they're. Um, they, they had to. Yeah, they probably. Between like 16 and. Like 16, 17. Because I think they say that Elixir is 16 when the stuff with Rain happens. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, Time. Time scales in comics are always going to be. A Don't get too caught up on characters' ages. You'll only give yourself a headache, especially when Grant Morrison is involved, because they will give somebody a wild ass age for no reason, or make someone a child that is also an old lady. The one that always <laughs> the one that <laughs> shout always out to Ernst. <laughs> the one that always stands out to me is that uh, when Cassandra Nova shows up. They say that Cassandra Nova and Charles Xavier are 35. <laughs> <laughs> no way! I'm 33. I say Manny is 30. Manny will be 35 this year. Like, I am not in a position to be leading a t- teenager who are now adults. <laughs> I mean, like, when when Charles first starts leading the X-Men, yeah, they pro- he probably is, like, 35, 36. Because Charles they is a... Com- He's a Korean War veteran. So, yeah, he could feasibly be in his early to mid-30s in 1964. And then I remember they, um, and their Batman and Robin run, they made a point to say that they, they, like, to the point that they were talking about not doing it if they couldn't make it this way, but that Damian Wayne had to be 10 years old. Yes. Like, absolutely no wiggle room on that. And it's like, ooh, man. Come on, bro. <laughs> and now, so the funniest thing about that is Grant Morrison was insistent that uh, Damien is 10. And everyone in DC ever since is like, no. Because <laughs> Damien is like 14 now. Yeah, like the world's wildest 10 girl. Like. Damien is like 14, but the rest of the Robins haven't aged. Like Tim is, Tim has been 18 since 2009. It's crazy to think about, like. He's a high school senior when he becomes Red Robin and is still, like, maybe a college freshman. Like, that, he's just stuck in the, he's just stuck in the ether. I'd love it to be a plot point at some point. And they're like, oh, like, like, Tim got hit with something and he doesn't age. Well, I mean, because Stephanie's still the same age, too. Stephanie's still, like, 19 at the oldest. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Tim, Stephanie, and Cass are all about the same age as they were. Jason is uh, nebulously like 22. Dick is nebulously like 26. I remember that um, Jason... Oh, when was this? This would have been right before he came back. There's an issue, like a one-off issue, where Dick, uh, Dick where Bruce kind of um, reminisces about him and says mm-hmm. that he would have he just turned 20... I mean, he would just turned 17 because his birthday would have just passed. Yeah. And then one year later happens right after. 
So he was like 18 and 19. So he's only supposed to be like maybe a year or two older than Tim. Than Tim, yeah. They're like, let's just let's put a little bit of space. Right? Give us a little space, yeah. Let's, let's open it up a little bit. Because we want Jason to be able to go into bars. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we want Jason to be able to buy booze. Um, and the last sidetrack I'll bring up, uh, this is just a fun little one for the listener. If you're ever bored, go to Google and just look up uh, Grant Morrison, New X-Men, Cyclops. And just look at that art. Look at the art that comes up. You'll have fun. <laughs> the Frank Quietly <laughs> art? Frank Quietly Cyclops is hilarious. That head. That man's head. Is <laughs> His forehead is gigantic. It's like James Vanderbeek trying to turn into Mr. Fantastic. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's all chin. It's crazy. Uh, so this issue opens with three just straight black panels. So five five horizontal panels. Three of them are black. And then it cuts in on Cyclopses. What have I done? What the hell was I thinking? So the setup for this is, while rescuing mutant children from the Orcus Research Facility, the X-Men inadvertently freed Serafina, a member of the Children of the Vault, a highly evolved and highly dangerous superpowered group developed via exposure to temporal acceleration. The X-Men have now tracked Serafina to Ecuador. The Children of the Vault, I want to say, are a Mike Carey thing? Okay, so I thought they were new to Krakoa. No, yeah, they, Mike Carey's X-Men, uh, 2006. Yeah, not mutants. They're, like, post-human, like, highly evolved. Which is so, it's so weird to me, which I guess is kind of the point, but it's so weird to me that they hate mutants, because it's like... You're, the, you're so similar. Right, but then I, I guess that's the point. That, like, yeah. oftentimes groups of people will be so similar that they'll find reasons to, to hate. I guess that's the message. Yeah. Uh, so this starts with a uh, starts in Ecuador with uh, two guys talking to a girl in all black, or in, she's like all black in the face, not doing blackface. <laughs> I mean, her her skin is like inverted. Um, and so she uh. She tells the guys who she comes up to um, to keep him from keep him from following her. Uh, and the him she's talking about turns out to be Logan. You like a yellow and blue Logan or a yellow and brown Logan? I like I, I've, I've grown partial to the yellow and brown. Same. Um, I was big yellow and blue. I think, but I think that was nostalgia than anything. Right. Um, yeah. Frankly, I want them to try something new with Logan. I want them to do something different with his look. It might be a new color scheme or something, but I think that I think that needs to be freshened up a little bit. The the yellow and brown I think has a certain cohesion to it that it, uh, I think especially because you're moving away from like the trunks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this looks good. I think too because Laura is doing like a yellow and black. Right. Um, and one thing I will say is that want to do brown and yellow Logan, you have to do it like this. Where the brown has like a gloss to it that's mm-hmm. kind of goldish or amber color. Because when they first started doing it, it was very flat brown. Yeah. It just looked like, like literally like shit. Like it looked really bad. But like you've been rolling around in the mud. Yeah, like this has depth to it and it kind of has like a, like you said, the 
the colors kind of have a nice cohesion to it. Uh, and he, so Logan comes up to the guys. He says, I know that look. If I tell you, I've tried to, to talk a thousand men out of making the mistake you're getting ready to make. I know I'm low. Is there any way I can convince you gentlemen to step aside and let me catch the very bad girl? And they charge him? Didn't think so. I fucking love the look of this book. Yeah. Like, these action scenes look so good. Um, <laughs> Logan, Logan punches this one dude, like, so fucking hard. We, a tooth comes out. Like, a tooth. Like, that. The guy's, like, neck first in the ground. His sheep flew up, too. Yeah. <laughs> he, he knocked two sheep. Like, what a fucking left hook from this guy. Just, just look and says, all right, let's just, let's do it then. And just beats the fuck out of these guys. One, two. Uh, chases her off into a clearing where she steps into the vault. Uh, and so he, he calls Cyclops. Uh, lets him know what happened. And he says, I can cut in. And he says, uh, no, that's not going to help with the, the time stuff. We need you back here to think of another way. Uh, and then we see a big shot of where the vault is. It's sitting underneath the ruins of a sentinel. Which is so cool looking. That's so sweet. Like, it, And maybe it's just the proportions of this book, but I've never realized that sentinels' heads were that fucking big. Yeah. Like, I always thought they were just kind of, I guess, to the proportions of a human. Mm-hmm. But this head is huge. It's a huge head. This, head. this head looks as big as the torso is. Like, like I like weird, fucked up sentinels. Uh, yeah, they shouldn't look. Uh, they, sh- I, yeah, this is a good look for it. Like the ultimate look of sentinels too. The yeah, eyes. Yeah, <laughs> the big like peepers. Shout out to peepers. The, the most popular man in anime comics. Everybody loves Peepers. Magneto sees Peepers in that issue of Sword, <laughs> and it's the happiest I've ever seen Magneto. <laughs> like he, inter- like for context, Magneto stops what he's talking about. Like he's up there, he's doing the Magneto thing, very grandiose. It's like pontificating. Oh, you know, ah, uh, Krakoa. We are the mutants of the future. We live forever, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Holy shit, is that Peepers." <laughs> Peter! <laughs> he stops. Bitch, is that Peepers? And the best part about it is Peepers is so cool. He's like, hey, man, what's up? Yeah, it was good. He's just like, here. He calls bags and calls Emma M's. Like, he's just, like, so casual with everybody. And nobody minds. Yep. Uh, so, on the next page, back on Krakoa, uh, Storm is telling... Storm and Cyclops are telling our team for this mission uh, about what's going on there. They're like, the, it's human adapt, da, uh, human adaptation along technological lines and evolutionary ones. And Sync says, it sounds like a problem in search of a solution. He's already synced with Darwin here. Yes. Like, it's weird. The, uh... him, him and Darwin standing next to each other because their eyes are both white and they're starting to look alike, but that's because of the way Sink's power works. Yeah, and so, prior to this, I kind of, I've heard of Sink, I did not know a whole lot. So I remember I posted this image in the Discord and I was like, I don't like this, I don't want these two to ever be near each other ever again because this is confusing and I don't like the way it looks. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought that Sink's eyes always look like that. No. Because like I said, I didn't really know anything about the character. But then I, then like, it made sense. I do explain it. 
Right. And then they have a moment, like, literally two pages later that makes me like, I would too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sink is, he, his power, Sink is from Generation X, um, which was the, every decade we get a new class of mutant students, right? So in the 80s, it's the new mutants, or actually even further back than that, in the 60s, you get the original five, in the 70s, you get the second Genesis team, the 80s, it's the new mutants, the 90s, or the, the new mutants and the, uh, the X-Terminators, uh, into X-Force in the 80s. Then in the 90s, you get Generation X, uh, which is Sync, Jubilee, Monet, Chamber, Mondo, uh, Husk, and Skin. That's not a real mutant. You made that up. Skin? That's not real. real. You know what Skin's mutant power is? Nice try, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you don't believe me. (laughs) Skin is... Skin. Skin is Sink and Jubilee's other best friend. His name is uh, Angelo Espinoza. His power is having a a bunch of extra stretchy skin. He gets crucified. He dies being crucified uh, alongside Jubilee and um, Jubilee, Jesse Bedlam, and uh, Magma. God damn. He gets it rough. And then he's just gone. Shit. Yeah. I feel bad bad now. Yeah. (laughs) So he's like kind of a shapeshifter, but he's mostly got got like uh, just a bunch of about six feet of extra skin on his body. That's crazy. It's so, so fucked. Scott Lobdell. Gotta love him. Our favorite Arthur. For more on our take on Scott Lobdell, go check out the uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws episode. Oh, buddy. He's gonna get it one day. Vengeance is coming for him. His time. Uh... And so Professor X tells them, listen to me, children. Uh, Listen to me, for I cannot stress this enough. The children of the vault represent the single greatest existential threat to mutant. I did. I just realized I did. I stopped that anecdote and didn't explain Sink's power. Oh, (laughs) Sink's power. He's a lot like hope. He actually, the reason that he comes back so early, he's one of the first people uh, revived by the resurrection process because... He acts as a redundancy for hope uh, because they both have the ability to kind of sync up with other mutants. He, though, his specific thing is that he can sync up with someone and use their power kind of to the fullest of its ability. Um, So, like, when he syncs up with Chamber, he can control the psychic fire and doesn't blow his face off. Which is such a cool little twist because, like, I like, one thing I like about hope is that and I don't know, maybe they kind of downplay this. And um, in Krakoa, I, I frankly haven't seen a whole lot with Hope. Mm-hmm. Since, like, her original, her power is really manifest. But I like that she could also boost mutants around her. Right, she acts as a booster. And uh, the th- other thing is that Hope can use multiple powers at the same time. Like, she does it, yeah. I remember, pretty famously, fear it's, it's either Siege or Fear itself, she does. Like, she takes, like, Pixie's wings, and she takes, uh-huh. um, you know, she takes, like, parts okay. of things. I think it's Fear itself, I think. Yeah. 
Whereas Sync, um, his big power up that he gets is that he can sync up with people. Uh, eventually, he gets to a point where he can sync up with people who aren't near him, which is so cool. He he syncs up with Gene, and Gene is in space. <laughs> So they're sending a team inside. They, uh, they're asking the three of them. And they explain, Darwin, your adaptive powers make you uniquely prepared to evaluate both the atemporal environment and the children themselves. Sync, your ability to copy other mutants' abilities uh, will act as a redundancy. And it's also a second set of observational eyes for Darwin and the survival mechanisms of X-23, who, like Wolverine, and she corrects him and she says... Actually, Actually, I'm Wolverine. Yes. And I love Logan's slow smirk after that. It's so good. Yeah. You tell him, kiddo. And Cyclops, Cyclops is the one who says this, and I realize Scott never got used to calling her Wolverine. He's called Logan Wolverine for so long, and they have such a bond. And Mm -hmm. he, his bond with Laura isn't... His relationship to Laura is a lot more distant. Yeah, 100%. Uh, like, she, he basically uses her as, like, the centerpiece of his X-Force. Um, yeah, the most the most interaction that I've seen them have is, obviously, when, uh, like, we covered in the... Um, there's a little bit there where he's, like, more trusting of her than Emma. And then, like you said, when X-Force becomes X-Force, it's just, like... It's it's a strike team, and he's like, "Hey, I need a killer." Wolverine's better than one, right? So Laura Scott really kind of for a while just sees Laura as a gun. Uh, So uh, either way, you have the healing ability to withstand the initial temporal uh, shear and live long enough to report back, so we can understand what we're really up against. And Armor's like, well, you have to tell them the rest because there, there are risks. It's like, yeah, uh, of course. The Cerebro cannot penetrate the vault when it's closed. So we will not know if you have succeeded or failed, if you live or have died. You have to get in, get the information, and get out long enough for Cerebro to download you. If you don't, then the mission will have been for nothing. And it's like, it, so Laura asks, exactly how long are we going to be gone? So, yeah, about that. We believe there are ways to sneak in, but once you are in, we can't get proof of life or death. We can't resurrect you until the vault opens. About the, And the last time it opened, several thousand years had passed inside. You know who they should send? Laura says, you know who they should send on this mission? Wolverine. He says, haven't you been paying attention, kiddo? They are. And I'd go, but I've got some pressing that can't wait. And it's, uh, like, my assumption is he's got X-Force stuff. Yeah, I think this is around the time where he's um he's doing that uh vampire shit. Yeah. Um and so <laughs> Sink laughs and goes, Couple thousand years? <laughs> you need to you need to pack a pillow, Darwin. Goes, Actually, I don't need a pillow. My head can adapt to to any contour he says. I meant for me. I'm a two pillow guy, and this sounds like an overnighter. Can I count on you? Did Darwin the best panel ever it's just a close-up of Darwin's tight smile. He's yes, count on me. I love the suit. They're I so die for Darwin. So good together. Uh, we get a cool data have to because of Darwin. <laughs> yeah, we get one of these data pages, um, and it's a medical report on Sink. Uh, 
Uh, it says, one week after rebirth, the patient appears to be in good health and excellent physical condition. Testing also indicates there doesn't appear to be a detrimental upper limit to what we are calling peak physical form. A review of Sink's training sessions from his time at the Massachusetts Academy shows that he is now operating at four, a 4% increase in natural physical ability. The five, it seems, are correcting, possibly unconsciously, the minor imperfections of each mutant they resurrect. Which is cool, but also scary to think about. Yes! <laughs> Sink was one of the earliest resurrected mutants because it was believed that his powers could enable him to act as a substitute for any of the five who might need one. Now, while this proved to be the case, uh, it was unknown at the time that... Uh, that resurrection isn't taxing for the five, but restorative. Unfortunately, while the while the patient appears to be physically fine, the same cannot be said for his psychological condition. I would stop short of saying Everett is in denial, but he is clearly putting on a brave face regarding his current situation. There is no escaping the fact that he looks around and sees a world that has changed in ways that he doesn't fully comprehend. And while this is burdensome enough to see other mutants who were once fellow students of his having changed and in some ways passed him by, it has proven to be incredibly difficult for him. So much so that I cannot currently resurrect, or I cannot recommend the further resurrection of similar mutants in Everett's situation unless a less harmful solution prevents itself. Because of this experience, the idea of clustering mutants together from similar backgrounds and time periods was tested by resurrecting the mutant skin, Angela Espinosa, ahead of his scheduled time to serve as a companion for Sink. The success of this served to adapt our early resurrection protocols to better serve mutant society. So basically what they realized was, all right, if somebody isn't going to, like, is going to have a tough time acclimating, we'll bring back somebody that they know or somebody who has a similar thing going on. Um, A buddy system, essentially. Right. Um, There is the theory... um, which I think was put up by the Cerebro podcast. The theory is that Emma is getting the Gen X students pushed to the top of the list because they were her students. Yeah, I can see that. If I'm quite frankly, if I'm Emma, I would be using every bit of power I have to not only get, but those bus kids too. The, the kids off the bus who all come back yeah. in X Factor, uh, and the Hellions are all back. Yeah, like all of Emma's kids are back now. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we get another data page that's just... Uh, how would you describe this page? So, it seems like it's... So, I guess the best way to say is it like it's Serafina. It's kind of like a... She's like interfacing with something. Yeah. So and this is the, like the system's degree, report. It's like a status update of other children right. from the vault. Yeah, it's a, it's it a, looks really cool, though. Yeah, it's an, a, a report on the um, the other children who were sent out for recon. Uh, Sangre, Pero, uh, Aguaja, and Fuego, all deceased Serafina captured. It's a mission failure. Increased threat activity level of non-augmented, naturally occurring human population. Increased threat activity level of homo superior. Conclusion, vaults opening delayed. Child level three necessary for successful occupation slash subjugation of an external environment world. Upgrade global, all, all three. And so it restores the other, uh, 
the other ones and upgrades all the other uh, currently existing ones. Uh, and so we get some narration that explains how they're going to sneak in. Uh, so <laughs> Storm sets out a has a lightning bolt strike the sentinel and which draws out the automated defense while Cyclops and armor uh, hold them back. While that's happening, uh, the team are breaking into the vault. It says, uh, the problem is breaking into the, the problem breaking into the vault is the temporal shear. We're not built for crossing the threshold, which is why we're sending the three of you in. We think you are built for it. Forge is repurposed. <laughs> Your favorite mutant, Forge. <laughs> <laughs> Will hates Forge. Forge makes every panel he's in worse. <laughs> like, the only... Like, the, but what I hate is that, like, he's so, like, important that there's no... Like, for a while, there just wasn't any Forge X for a long time. And it was cool, but now he's super needed, and you just can't get away with him. Like I, I think he he may be the only mutant I can think of that has appeared in every single X book for at least a couple of panels. Because yeah, he's all. There's so always cool. a use for him. Like, it's annoying. But you know, whatever. Eddie Guerrero got to work somewhere. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> Actually, um, he looks like a he looks like what's the one Guerrero brother that did commentary on TNA for? Oh, um, um Hector? Hector. Yes, yeah, he looks more he like does Hector. Look like Hector yeah, think about it. <laughs> so it's the mustache. Yeah, yeah, just that he just he's front and center with it too. Uh, so they fake a retreat, uh, so that they can get out. Uh, and let the vault defenses do their jobs, and it's like, well, we can't get, we can't hear them. They're definitely in the vault. So they they make their way in. These two pages look so cool, especially digital, yeah. uh, where you can see they just change the um, the background and the like the the perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Sink just says, oh, shit. Like, the art here is so good. Like, that panel of them, uh, of the three of them standing in that same position, like the black background. I want to get that blown up because that's really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and so Cyclops asks something, uh, some manner of apparatus how long it's been. And actually, this is really cool because this is, they fill in the other panels from the beginning. And Cyclops asks, how long? And the machine says, three months, five days, and some change. So, how long? Best guess? Oh, that's not the machine, it's Charles. We're seeing the back of Charles's head. Oh, okay. Because so... He's sitting in a Krakoan chair that's made of, like, Krakoa, but from the back, it looks like liquid metal, doesn't it? Yeah, and then he's got the Cerebro helmet on. 
So it just looks like he's at a cradle. Yes. Instead of actually talking to Charles. Right. I've never caught that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's Charles. It says, uh, best guess, 537 years. And Scott says, my God, what have I done? What was I thinking? And then the book uh, went a different direction for a while. And then it had to circle back to, uh, to this in issue 18. And we're back at the vault. From this point forward, you cannot depend on time to function in any manner resembling life. It waxes and wanes like temporal tides. This, however, is the past. Day one, a sense record of events. With little help from our fellow mutants, we have successfully breached the external defenses of the vault and proceeded inside without detection. Easier than expected, but we'll take the lead. As we expect things to go south and quickly. Our team is Darwin, Wolverine, and me. Our objective is to ascertain the threat level and potential weaknesses of the vault and the full capabilities of what lies within and those of the children. Good luck, they said before they sent us in here. I think we're going to need it. And so he's like, damn, look at the size of that place. Got to be, what, a million people in there? Darwin says, it can certainly hold that, no doubt, but it's pretty unlikely. Did you read the file? One of the main reasons we're in here is because... He, this is italicized. Did you read the file, Everett? <laughs> Fucking dummy. One of the main reasons we're in here is because we don't know enough about these guys. But it's been theorized, but forever, for whatever reason, the children of the vaults have engaged in strict population control. That theory seems sound. There may be a few who don't register a heat signature, but from what I'm sensing, from what I'm seeing... This, that city is pretty sparsely populated. He does this thing where he gives himself like these extra eyes. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It looks like a plasma. It's really gross looking. It, it's gross looking, uh, but it's like he's got a, it's like he's got binoculars on his forehead and jaw, and so sync syncs up with him, and uh, and does the same thing, and he's like. Yeah, you're right. Hey, maybe we can do this without getting caught or even seen. Get home in time for dinner. And uh, Florence kind of blows past him. He's like, shut the fuck up. Um, he's uh, The narration here is really good, too. Like, Sink yeah. is the primary narrator through these two issues. It says, Darwin's power of rapid evolutionary adaptation make him perfect for both data collection and analysis. While wolverines are essential to both to our long-term survival against both environment and adversary. Prickly, though. And how do I feel about that? And this, I love this fucking page. Uh, yeah. It's so good. You're, he looks at Laura. Laura looks over her shoulder at him. The, these two panels are silent. She pops her claws and says, what are you looking at? And he just smiles and he starts to glow from his powers. It's yeah, just feeling pretty good. I love the uh, I love the detail in six face here. Yes, this is the art here is so good. Um, but you get a really good sense of what like sync looks like. Yeah, like sync. What, what I love about the art here is that he he looks like he looks like a person. Like it's, yes, but like, I feel like this looks like somebody I've met before. <laughs> like, right, this looks like a guy. Looks like he. He looks like. Uh, 
He plays tight end at OU. You know, this is a four-string cornerback right here. <laughs> you know? Ends up being the DB coach. <laughs> With any luck, we'll be out of here in a day or two. A week tops. So here's one for luck. This is Sink descending into the vault. I love that, like, this is one thing I love about the visuals of this book, is that they are all wearing their own uniforms, but they are all still uniform. Yeah, that's a good little detail. Like, Sink is wearing an updated version of the Generation X training uniform. Uh, Laura's costume is kind of standard X-Men colors, and Darwin is wearing a variation of the first uh, X-Men training uniform. And we get another medical report on Sink. So it says, Addendum Manifestation. As... Stated in earlier notes, Sink clearly demonstrated a 4% increase in post-power resurrection than what he displayed while undergoing testing at the Massachusetts Academy during his previous life. There were other slight anomalies to his baseline scans, but they were so minuscule compared to his power increase that I wrote them off as fluctuations and focused primarily on the more dominant measurables. Now, after a series of follow-up scans, it has become obvious that Sink's power no longer has a dormant and active state. Instead, it is clear that while he may not be acquiring powers he is in proximity to, his synchronistic field is constantly seeking out a live connection to other power sets. This seemed at first to be a potential secondary mutation, but now I think it is going to be a potential recurring phenomenon among all resurrected mutants. A mutant husk grown from a mutant's DNA is a tabula rasa of mutant powers, a body that has never been mutant active. However, the backup that is then placed in the husk is one that has been mutant active before, sometimes for years. So when, when that experienced mutant mind activates their powers inside a never-before-powered husk, I believe this breakthrough experience, a first breach of a mutant womb, enables a mutant to surpass their original power levels and possible native parameters. In Sink's case, I believe that his adaptability is no longer confined to previous operational limits. This merits further observation. That's such a cool detail. Yeah. And it's just like, serves to explain, hey, these guys are stronger when they first come back. Cool. They didn't need to go into so much detail about it, but I'm glad that they did. Yeah, it makes it feel... Well, and it, that's why I like these data pages as opposed to more traditional exposition. Because if you'd had some people talking about this, it would have been less clinical. But this is a medical report by a doctor, so right. it's, it sounds like a medical report from a doctor. It does and, a, a lot for the sci-fi of it all. Yeah. And I think the, the data pages in general are all... Like the ones... Um, there's some in Marauders that's like an email exchange between Bishop and uh, Kitty, and it just sounds like two people talking. Yes. Like it, yeah, data pages are a really good gem in the Crow era. Yeah. I hope they stay forever. Because yes. uh, it's... it's Comics are great when they lean into kind of the sci-fi, uh, science fantasy, science fiction of it all. Um, yep. Especially the X-Men, which is inherently sci-fi. Uh, you know, like, I've been watching a lot of Bond movies, and my favorite... One of my favorite things in all of it is whenever Q shows up, and Bond 
gets like Q explains the new tech to Bond. Like that's I love that shit. Also <laughs> worth mentioning in the Living Daylights, they make a rocket launcher in a boombox, <laughs> and Q, who is like a seventy-year-old British man, says. We're calling it a ghetto blaster. <laughs> oh my god, that should not be. A- it's so funny. It's so funny. <sighs> He's like seventy-three years old, talking about a ghetto blaster. Meanwhile, in the center of the vault, uh, the dome, which is in the center of the city, um, uh, we see Serafina kind of interfacing with something. I know I said it earlier, but I love this look for this character. Uh, yeah. It's very... If you went to high school in the mid-2000s, you knew a girl who dressed like this. Yes, you did. <laughs> Striped tights... Mini skirt, calf high boots, jacket zipped all the way up, the highest ponytail a human being could possibly wear, and then all black skin, like just all black, black skin, skin, white, white hair, hair, white uh face, like white uh eyebrows, white eyelashes. The uh, she has white pupils. Yeah. And it's it's yeah, downloading uh, downloading that report that we saw from earlier. Uh, and she says, hard not to learn a hard lesson. They've grown into something greater than anticipated. We're not strong enough for them. We need to be more. And this, the other children start to talk. And so back into the pot we go. Terrific. Make it well done, I say. A little kiss of creation. Then we emerge in fire and blood. The problem is the cycle. It's always the cycle. Which yields for nothing. This dude looks like fucking Ghost Rider. There's a dude yeah. who's just a flaming skull. It's crazy when you think about how many comic characters just have a flaming skull brain. It always looks cool. Yeah, it's... it's, <laughs> it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Ghost Rider, Dormammu, this guy, Zorn. So what I like about Dormammu that I've noticed recently... Is that a lot of times they don't draw his head as a skull? It's, it's just, just a featureless fire. face. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just like a featureless face covered in fire. Yeah. Good stuff. So, basically, they they talk amongst themselves. They detect the X Men coming in. Uh, you know, the more I look at it, these this entire team that they shop at fucking hot topic. Oh yeah. Also, the dude in the top right is just strong guy. <laughs> yeah, he looks he looks like if you mix strong guy with like T Hawk from uh, Street Fighter. Yes, <laughs> and then gave T Hawk a bunch of HGH. <laughs> he's got that. Uh, he's got the he's muscle got gut. EC- yeah, but he's got that EC three steroid gut going on. Oh, man, man, I've never seen a person who has so clearly started doing steroids as soon as they left the Fed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like as soon as he got fired, and it wouldn't. Uh, and Actually, it wasn't. 
Jinder Mahal. Oh, yeah, but Jinder wasn't this bad. Yeah, true. Jinder, I mean, <laughs> Jinder looked like he was on a reasonable cycle. Yeah, and actually working with it and stuff. This just right. is like... He's letting, the, got, he's letting the steroids do the work. He got this from a guy wearing flip-flops, I promise. Gender <laughs> <laughs> went to his doctor and was like, hey, I just want to, I need something that will help me build muscle. And the doctor was like, all right, take this in in, in these doses. Uh, Ethan Carter III went and just like tied one off and was like, make it happen. That'll do He's in the that locker room asking random guys to jam him in the ass with one. You know? Like the locker room in 1990. Good rule of thumb, uh, kids. If you ever go to buy something illegal and they them to you, you can see their toes. You're not, not going to work out the way. <laughs> <laughs> If they can't put on socks for a business transaction, it's not 80-60. Here's the thing. Is it worse if that person is wearing flip-flops or if they are barefoot. Barefoot means they ain't giving shit about nothing. Because like, like if it's a barefoot like, dude in the park, he might just be a hippie. He might just be like in tune with nature. And you're about to smoke the best weed you've ever had in your life. Because he grew that shit himself. True. Mm, true. I think it depends on the drug. Honestly. It depends on the drug. If you were buying some sort of hallucinogen... Uh, if you were buying a marijuana, uh, you're going to partake in a jazz cigarette. Barefoot. A jazz, a jazz cigarette with one of these Negroes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, <laughs> man, you ever look at old, like, reefer badness? Uh, yes. <laughs> those posters are nuts. Those ads are crazy. It's like, you're your daughter is going to smoke weed and then she's going to go procreate with black men. It's going to make her, it's going to make her a communist who has interracial, who has interracial children with left leaning politics. Is that what you want your children to be black and red? like any like piece of print media from like 1935 to like 1960 you could just have a blast just doing that all day yeah oh yeah 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 uh sync does some more narration about like how brains work <laughs> i really want to put a special a spotlight on six narration here because it's some of the best writing that i've seen in a comic in a long time yeah, he says, here's something to keep in mind regarding these memory reports. As I understand it, or better put, how it was explained to me, is that the brain stores memories atemporally and in an interconnected matter that resonates. Sounds like nonsense, right? But what it actually means is this. We remember what matters most. That is, after all, what makes nostalgia so powerful. And as they're coming down in the elevator, the dude with the firepowers, I assume his name is Fuego, because they said that on the, the data page. It's gotta That's be. One of the names. It's gotta be. Yeah. He sets the elevator on fire, 
and the, I'm like, hmm, no screams. I'm impressed. They must have got off somewhere before it reached the bottom. And they are... <laughs> this is another really great page. Uh, so it's something back to back. Yeah. Because, like, Serafina goes, oh, no. Real small. And then she, you see the next page. She's looking up at Wolverine coming straight down at her. And this look of terror on her face <laughs> is so good. And especially when you consider... That the last time she left the vault, she got chased by the male Wolverine. Right. And, and so now she's being chased by Laura. And then she's just like, okay, good. I got away clean. And then no, a smaller, faster female version is now coming to slice your face in two. <laughs> she's going to cause her feet this time. Good luck. Uh, so if something happens five years from now, but it reminds me of something that happened last week. That means I stand a better chance of remembering that specific memory in the future instead of the other memories that surround it. The thing is, this doesn't have anything to do with facts or logic or what actually happened. It's just how you remember it, how it affected you, in your head and in your heart. And on this, as he says, and in your heart, Laura fucking guts Seraphina. Like, just straight down the, ugh, down the middle of the Her ribs are flying out. Like, God. Like yeah, another thing, like animanium is so strong that it's enough that it's not only cutting her; it's like it's doing surgery. Yes, like, it ain't just cutting meat; it's slicing through bone and all that shit, man. Just, and they're just, horrified. The yeah, of the vault are horrified by what they have just seen. So they, uh, <laughs> Fuego tries to set, I he tries to set sink on fire, but then he just. Uh, he just, like, puts it out. He adapts to have water there. Uh, and then he uh, syncs up with Laura to heal himself. And then Sync does something uh, that no one thought he could do and syncs up with Fuego. And it's like, I didn't think you couldn't copy any... I don't think you could copy anyone's power except mutants. So I couldn't. Looks like that's changed. And he just fucking flash fries these guys. Like, straight nukes him. The only one that survives is this blonde chick in the green. But, like, you see skeletons. Like, Yeah. And it's good that they pointed out earlier that, like, Sink's powers have evolved. Because that is a new thing that he can suddenly do. Because originally he was, it was only just mutants he could copy, right? Yes. Yeah, he was... A, this is another thing that differentiates him from Hope. Because Hope can only do it with mutants. Like, I think they realized... No, I think Hope can do it with non-mutants too. Because I think she, um... Oh, let me look it up really In Avengers vs. X-Men, she specifically says she can do it with mutants. But I think it's after that? Like, post-Phoenix? Yes, that could be it. Alright. Hope's had so much go on with her in, like, the little bit of time that she's... Ex- and this isn't even a 20-year-old character. Yeah, Hope has only existed for, like, 15 years? Uh, 
Oh no, I guess you're right. I could have sworn I've seen her copy somebody else's non Phoenix power. The hell am I thinking about? I don't know. I'm derailing the podcast. Please continue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this last girl, uh, her power is to explode, I guess. She blows it up. And Sink's, uh, Sink's narration is, our mission is to remember what we learned and report back, to escape with the knowledge. I'm telling you the truth, man. We did our best. On day one, we entered the vault. You have no idea what it took to get out. So that's how issue 18 ends, going into issue 19 here. Uh, which also has a really good cover. All of these have good covers. I don't think there are any that yeah. have bad ones. So the data pages for this issue are more like a timeline. Uh, where Which is really cool visually. Yes. It just took, the first time I read this, it took me some time to like figure out which way it was flowing because it's flowing mm. bottom to top. Uh, so so again opens with sync narrating. It says you can measure in hours, maybe minutes, how quickly I realized life in the vault would be an exercise in sacrifice and pain. Looking back, thinking of it now, it was all just too much. The city was too big, the vault itself even larger. The enormity of it was paralyzing, the scale inconceivable. Before we ran, as we hewed, we watched the destroyed section of the city begin to rebuild itself. You have to understand, we don't come from a naturally self-healing world. They do. So I understand why you picked us three to go into the vault. You thought, in combination, we could endure anything. That we could somehow survive the raw creation found in this Genesis 2. That's such a sick line! The raw creation found in this Genesis tomb. Uh, so the three of them, because, hey, we picked the three people who can just keep coming back, uh, all regenerate from bones. And yeah, we, it shows uh, It shows Laura and uh, Sink are both like skeletons. Yeah. Which, does Laura, does Laura not have a... Uh, Laura does not have a fully adamantium skeleton, okay. no. Laura is okay. just the clones. Because I wonder... I wondered why they they colored it the same as Everett's skeleton, but that makes sense now. Okay. Mm. Uh, and for a second, they they look at each other and they're holding each other's hands because she helped him up. And then it, the next time they're not doing it anymore, but put a pin in that. Uh, and they're all laughing. Because they're like, hey, we survived. You know, ha ha ha, she thought she had us. This is uh, the first 50 and, uh, years. Also, I also love the title of this issue, which is In the Fire of Each Other. It's a very, it's a very good, very... Uh, it's very metal. Title. Yeah, it is. That's a that's just a, a hero song. That's a... Um, oh, my God. That's a Dragon Force song. <laughs> yeah, and, the, uh, and there's a, for, for sure the line, so far away in there. Because <laughs> he can't help it. Uh... So, the the timeline here just kind of fills in a, some of the gaps. I won't go too far into it because it is a lot. 
Yes. Uh, the children must have assumed we were dead, vaporized or atomized or something, because they didn't try to find us. We laid low and set up inside the outer ring to avoid the builders that were engaged in edge creation. Darwin figured out pretty quickly that there were also genetic sniffers built into much of the architecture of the city. His his body adapted into uh, his body adapted to shed a field of child gene replica to mask our comings and goings. Later on, we learned to either recognize or avoid them, or disable and fool them. Anyway, for now, we had time. We acclimated ourselves to the cycles of the vault and timed our reconnaissance missions for when the city slept and the children grew. Two months of dormancy for every two of growth. During their season of night, we were haunt we haunted the dreams of sleeping children. By the end of the sixth of these cycles, we had gained a surface understanding. So that's within the first year. Which, man, listen. By the time we get to the end of this, guys, the amount of time they spend is staggering. Yes. Yeah, they they attempt to escape from the vault, but then find out that there's a shield uh, that was erected after they went through. Attempting to pass through it results in physical damage from the shield bur- burners, and loss of mutant ability due to dampers for an unknown duration. Multiple breach attempts fail. Mutant recon team was trapped inside the vault. Mutant recon team fractures. Wolverine hunts alone. Sync finishes construction of stasis system to, to preserve accumulated child DNA. Darwin evolves, adapting for isolation. Music mutant recon team reforms. City assault planned. City assault fails. It was just enough time for fear to have disappeared in our thin layer of knowledge to hide an ocean of ignorance. The child madre exists inverted from the rest of the children. While they sleep, she works, and while they live and grow, she rests. Our first pass through the creche, where, like our mutant arbor, mag- Ar- uh, arbor magna, saying all those words that have like Spanish affects <laughs> back to back, it's like. You've seen Bleach, right? (laughs) Bleach is the funniest manga because it is a Japanese story where they are constantly, like, especially if you're, like, watching it in a language, watching or reading it in a language that is not Japanese. uh, Because it's, you're hearing it in English, but they're saying these Japanese words and then randomly saying shit in Spanish. All right. Yeah, I was never a big, uh, I was never a big Bleach lad. I, I, I got into Bleach last year because I was just bored and depressed. I was just like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Might as well. And I was like, oh, yeah. this shit is sick. This shit rules. But things like, yeah, man, we've got to <laughs> we've got to go to Hueco Mundo. <laughs> we've got to go to Hueco Mundo to fight, uh, to fight the Espada. And be careful because he's got a San Pacto. It's like, wait, what the f- Please decide. <laughs> What language you know, we were speaking here, and then, and then characters will start speaking German. That's what threw me the most is that <laughs> or do you just start speaking German in one episode? What the fuck are we doing? All right, that's. <laughs> He's like, this is the name of my move, and it's in German. What the fuck, are we doing here? I remember the first time. Uh... I watched uh, Attack on Titan and saw the German uh, theme song. I was like, "Wait a minute! This is not the this is uh, 
Son, what the fuck is this? <laughs> What's <laughs> like, happening here? It's like how what people don't watching? realize that uh, that Full Metal Alchemist is set in fantasy Germany. Yeah. What? Is, What's up with that? Why are so many mangaka upset with Germany? I don't... It's solid. What are they cooking? <laughs> Brian Windhorse hands. I, I can't stop doing the Brian Windhorse hands. What are they doing over there? <laughs> it's so good, man. Too bad nothing came out of that. The, all they did was trade Rudy Gobert. Yep. Which, uh, I don't know. Uh, a good, uh, if you guys ever want to know a little bit about a person that has a sports fan, um, I dislike the French and I dislike soft big men. So Ruby Rudy Gobert is like <laughs> Oh Oh man. Did I tell you I met David Robinson once? Really? Yeah, it's ultimate guitar. Is it as uh, intimidating as it seems? Wait, what? Is it as intimidating as it seems? Yes. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, it helps that like he was wearing like a hat and a mask and everything, because mm-hmm. but like I'm looking at him and I was like, damn, how's a person this tall? How's a person yes. this fucking big? So the, the tallest person I've ever seen in real life is during the WCW days, for like a minute, <laughs> as a kid, I was maybe I was maybe nine? I think eight or nine. But um, the town I lived in was a big WCW hub, so they would do like little shots here and there. And I met Kevin Nash as a kid. And, like, I'm, 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 now as an adult, I'm, like, six foot even. But as a kid, I'm obviously short. And I just look at him and I'm just like, how do you get that tall? Like, how does that work? Like, <laughs> Kevin Nash, for those of you who are not wrestling fans, played the Russian in The Punisher. Uh, he was in Magic Mike. Um, what's another thing? Oh, he was in The Longest Yard. He's a... Uh... <laughs> In the longest yard, they switch his steroids with estrogen. He, uh, he, no, I don't know if I want to bring it up on this podcast. That's, that's a barrel of worms. Uh, in, in The Punisher, though, the movie The Punisher, not the series, he was in the 2004 Punisher with Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane accidentally stabbed him for real in the chest. <laughs> what was the story with that? They didn't have a, the, the, did they, have, did they forget to switch it out with the gimmick knife? Yes, I guess. They just oh. forgot to gimmick it. And he just stabs him for oh. real. You know what I think it is? I think if I remember right, it's supposed to be one of those where uh, when you put enough pressure, the blade, the blade retracts. Mm-hmm. And it got stuck, I think. Is what happened. Oh, okay. That but he sense. still just essentially stabbed him. Uh, Jesus. And uh, he just had the boys buy him beer. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even mad at it. He's like, hey, just, just buy me some beer and we'll be yeah. good. Um, and to tie this back to the X-Men, he was almost Sabretooth in the Fox X-Men movies, which would be much different movies with him in it yes. for a number of reasons. Mainly because Kevin Nash is seven feet tall. And knowing that Kevin Nash, unlike, uh, what was the guy's name that played him? Because he was a wrestler. He was uh, Kevin Nash's old tag team partner. Yeah, that's right. Um... Tyler May. Yeah, there we go. Tyler May. Uh, he has a personality. And, yeah. like, there's no way you could, like, to give him a role where he doesn't to talk is such a crime. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, I mean, Tyler May is 6'9, so. 
it, okay, yeah, that's, yeah. And the thing that throws what? it off is that Hugh Jackman is like a normal sized person. Yeah, yeah that he does not seem six nine. No, no, they he seems much shorter in those movies. Uh, Let me see something. Is how tall is Ray Park? Darth Maul. Yeah, because I whenever I think about that saber tube, I think of standing next to. Ray Park is 5'9". Oh, Jesus. That tracks, though. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the bodies of reborn child classes wait for rebirth in the creche. Uh, cl- wait for rebirth and upgrades. They avoided her by chance, but on their second visit, their luck right now. We made a mistake. And so... The plan... That... As a, like, basically to get out of the jam that they're in. The plan they come up with is to cut Darwin's arm off and leave it behind in in the explosion that goes off so that it looks like they died. Which, how did they, did they draw straws to decide who that was? I think Darwin came up with that plan. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Um, and the the thing is, any of them could have done that, realistically. And so, the reason I would think that it'd be smarter to do it to sink than Darwin is that Darwin's power is based off the body decides. Yeah. So, what if his body just decided he didn't need two arms, didn't grow another arm back? Right. <laughs> like, to give you guys some, some background on Darwin, his powers, like I said, his body decides what he evolved. The most famous example probably is, or well, one of the more famous ones, is during World War Hulk, when the Hulk shows up and starts beating the shit out of X-Men because he wants to fight Xavier. And Darwin's body decides there's no physical way for us to survive a fight with the Hulk. So he just teleports him away. <laughs> Darwin dopes out. Darwin is one of the two survivors of Deadly Genesis because his body just decides, no, I will not die. <laughs> We'll just I, go to a, a nice little nap, and we'll call it a day. Yeah, he uh, he just just doesn't die. He uh, he hitches a ride on Darwin's or on um, on Vulcan's body. Yeah. Uh, Which you know it's so convoluted. I've no idea think about this. It's so convoluted the way they decided to make him survive. Because yeah, like, he just fuses with uh, with Vulcan. Yeah, and then Vulcan's also kept alive the fact that Petra... Don't they fuse into Krakoa? Is that what it is? No, Darwin probably, absorbs Petra and Sway and then fuses right, yeah. with Vulcan. Yeah, that's right. Because Sway's power is... She affects the... Uh, the... Uh, ooh, come on, Will. The, the time. She affects the flow of time. So, like, yeah. it... it they, it slows it down. It's a, it's convoluted, but it's all pretty good book though. I, yeah. I kind of I, I liked it a lot more in the second than I initially did. Um, so yes, they slice uh, Darwin's arm off, leave it behind. <laughs> Luckily, his body decides he needs both arms and grows it back. Is <laughs> when our little game of discoveries and survival had when we had taken our game of little discoveries and survival as far as we could. We decided to change the rules. Cease fire from the source. 
and accumulate real knowledge. The, charge, the child Diamante was a living repository of vault history. His power was memory. He knew the city and everything that the city knew. Years ago, the X-Men had an encounter with the children of the vault. They were the first generation children. And we see what they looked like during the, the Mike Carey run. Um, it says, and then from their defeat at the hands of mutantum, Earth's first post-humans learned that they too had to evolve. And the second generation of children were produced and let loose on the world. Uh, these children were captured, dissected, and repurposed by Orcus as the potential weapons at the creation of our nation state. One, Serafina escaped, and when the city learned their and when the city learned their fate, it was decided that yet another evolutionary leap was discovered. This was to be the third and final generation of children before they were released from the vault to claim Earth as their own. With this, we had learned what we needed, and it was time to return home. But we could not. Even after a hundred years, we could not find a way through the vault shield trapping us inside. In our temporal prison, we had one option. Continue to study, to learn, until we found a way to make our escape and find our way home. This look for these characters is so... It's great. So fucking cool. Laura, uh, yeah, let's go left to right. Darwin, or, uh, Sink, is... He looks like fucking Luke Cage. Yeah, he does. He's definitely been hitting the weights. He's got a full beard. (laughs) Full beard. Uh... Tank to- he's got a G-Unit tank top on? <laughs> <laughs> Many men wish death oh, upon me. Looking boy. Uh, Laura is... She looks like... If you, you were a big Sons of Anarchy guy. Oh, yeah. He, she looks like, uh, like Katie Seagal. In yes, yes. Yes. in Sons of Anarchy, this is I. This is hypothetically what young Gemma Teller looks like. Yes, absolutely. Like she's got like one long, like one long white streak in her hair. Uh, her, you know, her wrists and hands are taped up. Uh, her training uniform has now just like, just like shorts and a sports bra. Full midriff out, like she's got tape up to her up to her knees, like or up to her thighs. Which, if you are ever looking to add an element to a character design to make them look like rugged and fucking cool, cover them in tape. Yep, like anything, makes, any surface thing. Makes you like a motherfucker that fights. Yes, this bitch fights people. <laughs> That's hundred percent. Like it's, I am not here to talk. I'm not here for exposition. She's here I'm to here tussle. To get me dirty work. Done. She's here to scrap. Uh, and fucking Darwin is like a fish man now. Yeah, he's got like spikes coming out of his head. Darwin looks so fucking cool. Uh, and so eventually, at the apex of a dormant cycle, we gambled and infiltrated the heart of the vault, the city itself. We gambled and lost. They had laid the perfect trap and waited patiently for decades for us to walk right into it. In retrospect, it was obvious they were after Darwin. Laura and I, I don't remember exactly when I started calling her that instead of Wolverine, but I do remember the day she no longer seemed to mind. We were an afterthought, which made losing her even worse. I should have held on. I should have done more. 
the years and I the years were made worse in isolation, but it's the regret that made me feel old. So we, uh, uh, <clears throat> we get another data page of um, timelines. Yeah, and woof, buddy, yeah. it is bleak. Yep. Uh, Sink attempts to rescue teammates. All attempts fail due to child alertness and enhanced security. Darwin and Wolverine remain prisoners. Unable to rescue his friends, and as a result, unable to regenerate, restore, or extend his life, Sink is forced to escape the vault timeline. Sink ambushes and seals the power of the child terror motor. Also collects necessary supplies for dormant period. Using Terramoto's earth-moving abilities, Sink confirms his belief that the shield does not extend directly beneath the vault. Tunneling beneath the vault's temporal bubble. Sink waits one week and re-enters over a century later. Sink frees Wolverine. Dar- Darwin cannot be located. Wolverine and Sink search for Darwin, refusing to leave him behind. Wolverine and Sink endure. Child Seraphina captured. Powers copied. City data core and location of Darwin now accessible. And so that's a, a, a good little detail to take from that. Is that now that Sink for that time period isn't near Wolverine and Darwin. Sink could realistically permanently die in the situation. Yes. Because he can't use Laura's healing ability to keep himself young, and he doesn't he's not near Darwin to keep it. So he could realistically permanently die in here. Right. Because as Cyclops mentioned before we went in, if you die in the vault, we have no way no, we can't bring you back alone. until we know that you're dead, because we don't know right. that you're dead. Like, let alone trying to bring you back. We don't even know that you're dead. We can't even read in this. So. Right. That's a good little, a good little, little bit of parsley on that uh, sandwich. Yeah, because as it turns back, Sink has his beard has grown out more. He's got this big white patch down the center of it that looks. He looks so cool. He looks like Delroy Lindo. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I was gonna say he looks like Jim. Like Jim Brown and uh oh yeah fuck uh in the nineties and shit. Uh, and so Sink says, "I had decades longer alone with my thoughts. Survival and observation could only fill so many hours or weeks or years. Living at the whim of post-humanity stirred memories of the past, looming death, inevitable death, and demanding an audience with the ghosts of my childhood. I can't remember when I was younger, still posing as human with my human mother and human father." A few years before I had become something more. I remember my dad catching me looking at him as he was looking at her. I remember what he said. Son, most people know how to explain it, but I sure do. Or most people don't know how to explain it, but I sure do. So listen closely. Do you know the difference between caring for someone and loving them? If you love them, you're willing to die for them. That's the difference. That's how you know it's real. And these pages are sync springing Laura and then just this one beautiful gentle mm-hmm. page of him holding her and she's got her arm like her hands wrapped around his arm uh, so I thought you know mom... this this is a really beautiful page and um it made me think about mute love because something I'd never considered until that is that like when you when you hear that on Kokoa, they feel like they've affected the It's a comic book. So your first thought is, oh, well, yeah, they can just fight crime and 
saved the world for years and years without ever having to age. But then you also think about stuff like this, like now, like when Gambit tells Rogue that he'll love her forever, they they could be a, they realistically could be alive forever. Like right. it, it's different than just saying, "Oh, my natural lifespan," because now you don't have a natural lifespan. You could realistically be a couple for a thousand years or something. Right. Like it, it's I don't know something about that I've never. Right, and Sink and Sink and Wolverine have been in here together for over five hundred years, which is like. Uh, later, I think I think you posted it because I haven't read it in the book, but um, at some point, uh, Sink goes to use Wolverine, and he says that he's been Wolverine. I've been Wolverine longer than anyone alive. That's, that so line good. is so good. That's a bar. Uh, and so they they managed to break into the vault. Like we see all the things that were laid out in the uh, in that timeline. Um, and they find Darwin, and he, as Darwin uh, is made to explode, apparently it looks like Darwin gets fucking atomized. He says, uh, in the narration. Uh, I thought I'd carry that truth with me forever. Well, let me tell you something. Most people have no idea what forever means. But I do. And so did she. And then we see... The timeline is broken down to bullet points. Uh, And so the important ones here are the city realizing that fourth generation children are required. Creation of fourth generation children is beyond the current capabilities of the city. Examination of the mutant Darwin's acquired genetic material requires highly adaptable or reveals highly adaptable evolutionary structure. Acquire the mutant Darwin. And so they just keep atomizing him over and over and over and over to try and like boil down his genes. So they can uh, so they can use him to evolve themselves further. This is, so pretty famously, uh, X-Men First Class, or infamously, I guess, X-Men First Class, they kill Darwin. Uh, Darwin's power is not dying. Uh, They kill Darwin uh, by by, forcing his body to adapt to a bunch of things all at once. That's fucking stupid. That's fundamentally dumber than shit. And you know, for years, I defended that because what I thought was going to happen never happened. What I thought was going to happen is that in a future X-Men film, they would find out that Darwin did survive his body. just He just doesn't have a physical form. Right. Like, or that his body found a way out and he, right. he reconvened to something. Like his like his healing factor decided that it's too much to try to evolve the keep world. We'll just abandon the body. It'll just right. be like Phantom Darwin. That's what I thought was going to happen, mm-hmm. especially after the backlash of them <laughs> killing the guy who does not die. Who doesn't die? Darwin right. gets atomized here ten thousand times. Yep, ten thousand two hundred and seventy-nine times. And I still don't think he's dead. <laughs> we haven't no. seen like. We haven't seen back in the vault since this, but like I feel like he's still in there somewhere. 
Um, and so they managed to use the stasis DNA of a child disruptor to uh, to get through the shield. And so they managed to, to phase through. It burns off all their hair, uh, hair and clothes, and they... They're so close, but now they don't have their powers because going through the vault disables your power. Going through the shield disables your powers. And Laura says, well, I might not be able to stop them, but I know I can slow them down. Listen, Everett, you saved me once. Now let me save you. And Laura, buck nude, claws drawn, fights until she can't anymore. Sink makes it out of the vault and gets blasted in the back, but reaches out telepathically to the professor as the children stand over him and say, before you die, I just want you to hear me. We are going to wipe your kind from the face of this planet. Understand, we're the future, not you. So it it just dawned in my head. Do Wolverine and Gat... Oh, Wolverine. Uh, well, yeah, Wolverine. Do Lara, do Lara and Gabby not have bone? Do not have not have uh, bone claws. No, no, they they the adamantium is just in their claws. Well, I know, but I mean, like, do they not have bone claws under their metal claws? I don't know. I don't think so. Because if they if she did, she shouldn't have been able to pop her. But if they're just metal, does that mean that they're just like an add-on? Right. Yeah. Her real That's mutation good. is the is the the, heal. the healing factor, yeah. yeah, the healing factor okay. in the the tracking set. But yeah, like you said, that's a great panel. Them uh, snuffing out our boy Everett. Yeah, and they they use the Magneto line. We're the future. Yeah, we're the future, Charles. Not them. I used to work with a guy, and we would just yell that at each other. <laughs> 47-year-old man. Well, we're the future, not them. So good, man. It's, it's a great line. Uh, the the professor does hear Sink. And uh, he makes it out. Or he gets, like, his, he gets backed up with all his memories. So Sink wakes up in Arbor Magna. Um, you know, he was resurrected with all the secrets of the vault. What they had become and what they were becoming. And some ideas of how to stop them. But that's just information. Data. Here's what I really learned. Friend, confidant, partner, lover. Those are human words to describe a human relationship measured in human years. I can still hear him. My father saying that he loved my mother so much he was willing to die for her. Human words. Useless words. Love is not dying for someone. It's living for them. And it says this as... Uh, Laura's being resurrected. It says, I think of the lifetimes I spent with this person, that I know them better than anyone else on the planet, maybe more than anyone ever will. And I have to wonder, how do you explain such a thing? How do you even start the conversation? And it mirrors the page uh, from issue 18, where he looks at her and thinks, how do I feel about that? Because he looks, doesn't say anything. Laura looks over her shoulder at him in silence, pops her claws, 
and says, what are you looking at? He says, yeah, okay, that'll work. And that's how that issue ends. That's Yeah, that's it's a, so good. It's legitimately <laughs> one of my favorite pieces of writing in any media. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to highlight this story. I really wanted to highlight this issue because it is... One, again, it's serialized, so this stuff doesn't it doesn't matter too much to the grand scheme of you don't need to know everything about these characters to go into it. You don't need to know what was going on in the current X-Men stuff to know, like, to read this story. It's just a good story, it's totally self-isolated, um, self-contained, and it's just really good sci-fi. Yeah. Um, and that writing, that everything they do with sync. It does so much to add to him as a character in ways that he's never really gotten. It gives him a lot of depth. And mm-hmm. it's you're reintroducing a character who has been dead for over 20 years. Because Sink dies uh, towards the end of Generation X. Um, like the book ends pretty soon after he dies there. And. It's a uh, he's a character who's really forgotten. Yeah. Um, you know, like you know, people our age who started reading X Men comics when you know, let's say two thousand, two thousand one, you have no idea who this character is. Yeah, like, like as somebody who picked up reading X Men comics pretty seriously after that point, I, was, I didn't know who he was until Krakoa. I heard right. him mention him a few times. I think I read a wiki and I was like, okay, that's cool. And that's yeah. really all I knew about this character. He dies in Generation X number 70. Uh, the book, I think, ends pretty soon thereafter. Um, I, think it, I think it gets to 75 and then it ends. So it's really soon after that he dies. And that's in 2001. And then he's gone until uh, until his next appearance is in Necrotia, and then this. So it's and see, really and that, that's another. I think I want to re- reread Necrotia because there's so many characters that popped up that I didn't know who the hell. Like I'm just like, who's that guy? And right. like when I was reading it, I didn't have the you know, the internet was around, but like the Marvel wikia wasn't as solid as it is now. Where I could just get a good example of who somebody is, so I just like didn't think about it again. But I think knowing more of these characters now, I think I should go back and give it a re a reread. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely worth going back because I went back. I read Necrotia uh, a few months ago because um, I was I had a lot of time. I was stuck in a lot of airports. Uh, I went to go visit my dad, um, so I read I read like Necrotia. And second coming, and like the entirety of like Zeb Wells' New Mutants, and the run that followed that. So it was all like, it's the Crush is really an easy read. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely do that. Uh, you got any kind of final thoughts on this? Um. In hindsight, I think that the reason I think is that they. The, hey, the can you repeat the, it? The, yeah, sorry. I realized I was leaning back in my chair to do that. Um, in hindsight, they should have let Darwin's arm knock it cut off. Yes. And Sake should have done it because they're actively using Darwin 
to evolve. And it's crazy. It's one of those the hero makes the because the data says that they realized that the, the last generation that they did of children was not going to be enough. Right. And yeah. that they make a new one to basically be that next generation. But like you said, that I don't even think they touch on here, they're actively probably still evolving because there's we have no proof that Darwin dies. Right. So Darwin could still be in there to this day, still being tested on and evolving. Mm-hmm. Especially because they brought back, like they bring Darwin back, but then it's like, uh, you know, Darwin, there's still a, probably a version of Darwin in the vault. Right. And what's great, like they, they make a pretty big point to say that they can't resurrect until they have proof of death because they don't want two versions of the same person running around. But let's say hypothetically that like they get into the conflict with the children destroying the vault and that door from the inside comes out. There's no easy fix to that. They can't even do the cruel thing and say, oh, we have two Darwin, kill one of them because it's Darwin. They can't right. kill him. Right. So do you just have a Zorn situation or you got... Yeah, you just got Darwin and then Darwin too. Like, what is it? What are, you know what it'll probably be? They'll probably merge. Yeah, that'll yeah. probably be how he uh, he adapts. So, but yeah, it's um, this is just a good a good quick story. I'm really glad you uh, I'm really glad you suggested it because I got extremely excited at the prospect of being able to read it again. And I just yeah. read this maybe a maybe a month, if that. Mm-hmm. It had been a while uh, since I read it. I think I read it maybe eight seven eight months ago but i yeah i i really love just a good piece of writing and i think one thing that like i thought about reading this through again was that people really need to read comic books that's the point of the show that's the mission statement yeah because if someone had said the same line in a TV show, had said it in a movie, had said it in something. Uh, it would be everywhere. Yep. Um, you know, it, superheroes are such a fertile ground for this kind of purple prose. Um, and there's a lot of writers who are very good at doing this with those characters. Jonathan Hickman, uh, Fabian Cieza, and I think a lot of the things you can do with comic books, you can treat them in this novel kind of way. And I feel like if there wasn't this barrier to entry, uh, more of that would be laid out. and More people could see it. So if you were under the power of my voice, pick up some comic books. You know, this is... We're recording this on August 29th. This episode will go up on August 30th. August 31st is my 28th birthday. The best gift any of you could give to me, other than money, (laughs) is go to your local comic shop. It's a Wednesday. Go to your local comic shop. Pick up some comic books. Pick a character. Any character. And read some goddamn comics. You can follow the show on Twitter at MCMFPod. You can follow me at Archer Arios, A-R-X-H-E-R-A-R-I-O-S. You can follow Will at Chaos Ghost. 
Uh, follow our pal Manny, who bravely put his health on the line for us, and we failed him. Uh, and he is back in health and safety protocols. Follow our pal Jake uh, in his new venture at uh, Lake Dragging on Twitter. Uh, I am on episode two of that show, uh, and it was a lot of fun. So check that out. Um, until next time, folks, take care, stay safe, hug your loved ones, tip your waitresses, be kind to each other. Fuck Tommy Oliver.